Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is part of Calvary's Daily Connection, so we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, following up on Psalm 24, and... uh, kinds of fun stuff i think in there absolutely yeah. and i only used the first verse right um you know i always wondered how people could preach just on on one verse or sometimes a half a verse but uh, yeah i did that uh so we have the whole rest of the psalm to deal with um yesterday was kind of a, a an experiential uh worship service rather than uh, kind of the traditional uh linear kind of style so uh we've got some catching up to do um one of the one of the things that um this psalm does in the very in the second verse which i just you know it's not a deep deep learning but it's just fun um for he founded it on the seas and established on the on the waters and that was literally the thought for the day uh in that day that um the earth floated on the sea um and and god just kind of placed land upon the sea and uh some thought it was uh, in those days thought it might have been supported by pillars sunk into the sea or just floated on top of it so um that's just kind of a fun thing that's a another uh, illustration that um culture does make a difference in terms of of interpreting scripture and um and the bible isn't necessarily a science book but a spiritual place so okay enough of that um, also, in terms of, of the sea, we have to remember that um, in that time, the sea represented the chaos and all of the evil creatures that uh, Le- Leviathan that would come out of the sea. And uh, this uh, scripture, this verse two, um, um, kind of led to Yahweh having um, uh, power over that, uh, over all of that, and over over all of everything so um this i i think i said in worship this um psalm was a psalm of entry um into the temple and some say it might have been used once some say it might have been used annually but we don't see a lot of of um of support for that but who knows um but it was not just the people entering into worship we have a a prelude for that um um, i think often in churches today people use the prelude as a oh we better say the last things to our friends before we (laughs) get started in worship but really it's a it's a way to to prepare our hearts but this was entrance not only the people but god himself and the ark of the covenant um coming into the temple after having been uh, with the Israelites in battle. So um, Psalm 50, if you go back to Psalm 15, that they look a lot alike because that too was, a, was an entrance uh, liturgy. Um, so that's just kind of a fun little, uh, fun little tidbit. Uh, he also talks a lot about um, um, who can go in. Uh, to this uh, temple, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Um, and the hill obviously uh, relates to God's hill. I'm doing air quotes here. Um, heaven, uh, Mount Zion, um, you know, in the Old Testament, 
mountains, the tops of hills were considered being where God was. And so how, how are we going to ascend this? And um, so he, David asks this question, uh, this question um, it, who, who's going to stand here? Who can be here? And if you look at the answers, you would think nobody. Um, you know, clean heart, pure heart. Uh, uh, let's, let me bring up the psalm. Uh, um, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust an idol or swear by a false god. Um, clean hands and a pure heart are relative, I think, um, but they had some some ways in which to say, uh, are you are you cheating people? Are you um, uh, being honest in your dealings? And and obviously the um, ceremonially clean and unclean thing. So um, that's just kind of a. Uh, it sounds like an impossible thing. Who can ascend? Nobody, <laughs> except that yes, you can because there is justice and and even God will, not even God. God will allow that. It's an interesting transition, Old and New Testament between yeah. a sense. Um, the presence of God, because they pretty much put God in the ark. Right. Took him in the ark with him to battle, or that was where they identified his presence. Whereas we today assume that God, I, I think rightly so, yeah. is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so they limited not only uh, their understanding of God, uh, but uh, they also didn't allow folks of uh, physical matters mm-hmm. i mean uh, what was it, the Sick. lame lame man outside yeah. of the side of the temple that he couldn't go into the temple even if he could have somebody would have taken him i'm sorry <laughs> even if somebody would have taken him because he was considered to be unclean mm-hmm. by the fact that he was lame right. and when he was healed then he was allowed to go in mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's just interesting i think that uh, where some of that Theology mm-hmm. came from, or how it evolved. Right, right. Uh, anyway, um, and then um, about verse seven, I guess. Um, um, imagine having a choir in two parts, and I have in in the, my seminary days, we had uh, the kind of chancel that had. I don't know how a musician does this, Isaac, to have half the choir on one side and half the choir on the other side. I don't. I don't get that, but that's a whole other discussion, I guess. You know, very carefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but this talks about we had that in seminary. You know, I don't remember who was sopranos and altos and what. I don't remember. Um, but this would be two parts of the choir, and one part would say, uh, "Lift up your heads, O ye gates," um, and. Um, um, calling on the gates to throw themselves wide open. And some folks said that was city gates, um, and some po- folks said that was like the gates of the temple. And In other words, come on in and uh, be lifted up. And then the other side would then say, um, the, the first side would say, uh, talking about the coming of the King of Glory, and, and the other side would say, well, who is the King of Glory? And this would go back and forth a couple of times and it, it does remind me of liturgy that um, churches do a lot of churches do today in terms of a responsive kind of liturgy and repeating that when it's repeated it's just like an exclamation point um, listen to this this is important 
Um, so it was just, you know, kind of a, a fun thing. Um, not a fun thing. It's a fun thing to think about. Um, but to um, have that liturgy go back and forth. Part of the issue that we look at here is that Israel considered themselves um, the only peoples really worth uh worth anything. And God is saying, um, I am the God of all. Um, I am the God of all lands. It's not just your land that is important. I created it all. Um, And um, I think about that in terms of us in our country and, um, you know, lifting up uh, particular standards and saying, you know, we are we are the best, and to remember, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, God has created it all, including those countries where we feel uh, we have enemies. God also created them. So, um, you know, not that we can't be proud of being uh, Americans, but um, that sometimes Israel's pride got in their way in terms of understanding. Uh, who God was and who God is. So anyway, um, that's part of, of what was going on there. The other stuff was um, um, that I didn't – go ahead. Well, let's, let's go back to lands for just a moment. Okay. Um, uh, we have titles and deeds, and we say mm-hmm. in a very generalistic way, this is our land mm-hmm. or this is my land. Mm-hmm. And the reality, I think, is that – uh, it, we're just stewards of it. Absolutely, before God, it's all God's land, yeah. in that sense. And uh, sometimes we're uh, really. Uh, sometimes he must just scratch his head when he thinks I have given you this. I'm thinking about a sermon in oh, back probably in, or ahead of time in the first of August when the children continue to complain about things. I. God must just go nuts some days when we take what His gift is to mm-hmm. us. It's a gift, mm-hmm. uh, and how we misuse it and abuse it. Right. Um, and um, you know, one single voice sometimes seems kind of just like somebody standing on their soapbox pounding something. But um, we're really have, are ravaging this land mm-hmm. that we are on. Um, and uh, uh, I think we're beginning to see some. This is this is probably off subject, but we're beginning to see some of the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, we are. in terms of some of the uh, climate change stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of, uh, I was reading something the other day. And of course, I I'm not a scientist, so I, I'm really careful what I read because. But how the ice cap is melting and how Mm -hmm. all of that stuff's beginning to happen. And I've got an idea that's deeply tied in with all of our. I got. I drove my truck to church or yeah to work this morning. Uh So and I drove my car. (laughs) um, So, but all of the stuff that we do to make life easier for us is. I think there's the effects are really beginning to be seen, and I think it's going to multiply. Oh, absolutely, so. absolutely. Um, having grown up on a farm, um, I had someone recently say, "Of course, it was a it was a small farm, but in those days they were small farms." And and uh, Dad raised a family on that small farm, but I had someone say to me, "Well, farmers don't care about the land; they just you know put all kinds of chemicals in it." And I said, 
farmers have to care about the land um, it, because it's gonna it's it's the, it's going to continue to to feed their families, and um, you don't just throw that away and go get another one. You know, like your your car breaks down and you say, well, I'm just going to get a new car. You can't do that with land. It is there and it's it's mm-hmm. ours. Um, I mean, I guess you can try to sell it and buy new land, but that's that's an outrageous um, uh, proposition. And the same way with the livestock um, on the land, you care about those. You 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 want to um, to take care of them, um, not just because they're your livelihood, but you know, I dad knew which cow was which cow. <laughs> they all looked alike to me, but he knew the difference. Um, and it's kind of like the sheep know your voice. He he knew those cattle. Um, and my brother who raised sheep uh, knew each of those uh, ewes and each of those lambs and each of those rams um, um, because he was he was raising them. He was making sure they were eating well. He mm-hmm. was making sure that um, they didn't have any parasites growing on them or living in them. Um, and so you know we do, we do have to care for the land and it, it we may have you talked about a piece of paper saying it's ours we may have that uh but it's really not ours it's really god's and um and and what are we doing to it so that's a i think that that's where i was going to go with the sermon um yesterday and then i i went another direction and, and so want us to look in a new way at everything around us and just glorify God every time we see something. Um, I mean, that's what I was getting at. And I don't know if I got there or not, but um, I just see that God has been so generous and gracious to give us this incredible world um, and all of the pieces in it. And, and, I know that I'm not the only one that sees that, but I just want people to to look and go, wow, you know? Several years ago, I think I was living in Trenton at the time because we had a beekeeper in uh, our congregation, and that was when um, bees were hard to find. And he was um, he was a an amateur beekeeper. He didn't do it for a living. He did it to help people out, as well as um, he just loved the um, uh, the nature of it and and uh, helping the bee population. And um, he would talk about um, the ramifications of not having bees. And he would be thrilled when someone would call and say, "Hey, could you come and get these bees out of my barn or out of my house or whatever?" Um, and and those ramifications are more than we don't have honey. <laughs> you know, they they go they're far reaching, and and that's just one insect, just one insect. So uh, you know. I, lo- I love to watch the Science Channel and, and and look at how things are related or read about that stuff because I just find it fascinating. Um, I wish I had the knowledge of uh, a biologist or a botanist uh, to to know all of the details of that because it's just, oh, I just find it incredible. Some of the pictures that we had up there, um, uh, the hummingbird, the, uh, the bee, the butterfly, um, just those teeny little creatures and how they affect creation. And God set that in motion. I'm not sure how you can look at the intricacies of God's world and say there is no God. 
you know how does how does that happen i'm not sure um but i'm just kind of rambling on so um I just, I just think that as we look at this and remember that this is God's world, and uh, when we think about what is our entrance liturgy, um, what are we doing when we go into life? Are we complaining all the time? Are we looking around and seeing the wonder and majesty and incredibleness of, of our Lord? So you got anything else, Randy? You, are you there? You got anything? Yeah. Uh, no, you pretty much said it. <laughs> that was profound. I know it was. We kind of just got to a wall here, you know, so I guess maybe the music's coming up, please. I believe it is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Saved by music. That's right. We do thank you for listening today, and uh, if you have any comments or feedback, uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook or the website or email or any any way that the internet connects you to us. Uh, we are probably at the other end of that, and next week we'll be back with a deeper dive into uh, Psalm 23, a very familiar psalm uh, to a lot of people, and um, I think you'll enjoy that. So until next time, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.